You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. And we're going to begin with Despicable Me 3. And what's not to love about this movie? I mean, you've got 80s music, you've got uh, 80s hairstyles, you've got uh, Rubik Cubes, and cool anim- animation. I mean, it's just, uh, it's good stuff. We're going we're gonna to really dig into this, and so before we do, let's, let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, just thank you, Father, that we can have fun, that we can come together as a church, we can laugh, we can... We can talk about funny things happening in our world around us, but we can also talk about some serious things. And help us, Father, to strike that balance today, looking at your word and seeing how your word has so much to say to our lives and our world and our culture. And I pray, Father, that you'll just grant me the wisdom to know how to, how to, how to teach and bring this message to everyone that's here in such a way that that, Father, we'll really sense that, that we've heard from you today. That's our heart's desire, Lord. We want you to speak into our lives, and I pray that your spirit will be at work so that that truly happens. Thank you that we can have confidence in praying to you and knowing that you're going to answer this prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we planned this uh, as we planned this summer, the message series, uh, the ministry staff challenged me. You see, I'd been challenging them all year to do new things in their ministries. I've been challenging those ministry leaders within the church, our ministry staff. You know, let's, let's make sure that we're doing the new and we're learning to do new things and not get caught in ruts. So, you know, what happened was the ministry staff flipped it on me and they challenged me to do something new. And so they came up with this idea of uh, Southwest at the movies. And I said, okay, if I'm going to challenge you to do new, I've got to be willing to do the new too. So uh, this series is really stretching me as a, as a preacher and teacher. And, uh, and I, I'm, but I'm excited about what I'm learning. And I'm excited about what we're going to learn together. Now, to prepare each week, our full-time ministry staff is going together each Friday afternoon to watch the movie. Here, here's uh, Larry and Eric. Um, and by the way, I hadn't been to the theater for a while. I mean, when did they put in recliners? Okay, I missed it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was like, wow, this is new. This is kind of like at home. I think that's what they're trying to do. But, but anyways... Uh, so this is a new experience for me in many ways. But uh, we've decided we're going to go every Friday afternoon and watch the movie that's about nine days away from the message that, that following weekend. And it's an opportunity for us, as we've been talking about all, all uh, summer, the month of, of June, at least, or the end of June, 1st of July, about doing life together. So as a staff, we're doing this together, okay? It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. So... Last Friday, we watched Despicable Me 3. Now, since this is the third of this Despicable Me series, I had some homework to to catch up because, you see, I had not seen any of the Despicable Me movies. Now, I know that for some of you with small children, you're just shocked, but I had not. So, uh, as I shared with my wife what we were doing this summer uh, back in June, 
as we were babysitting uh, one of our granddaughters, Jacqueline, uh, my wife said, you know, we, we, we need to watch Despicable Me 1 so you know what you're talking about uh, when you get up there in front of the church. So we, we sit down with our uh, granddaughter, Jacqueline, who's two and a half. She's going on 10, okay? And here's some recent pictures of her. Uh, this is uh, uh, at a park, and uh, we got to spend some time with her even over the 4th. And while we were in Indiana, we got to teach her some of the finer things of life, you know, right here, Okay. Uh, some basketball, never too young. She got a little tired, but it's never too, too early to get started. But, uh, but when we were watching Despicable Me 1 with our granddaughter, um, you know, she, she hadn't seen the movie yet. She'd seen the Minions, and I didn't even know there was this offshoot, Minions, okay? And, uh, but every time the Minions came on screen, she'd go, Minions, you know? So uh, I got a feeling that for two and a half, three-year-olds, that's, that's a br- pretty big thing right now. But let's just review quickly. And by the way, I'm just curious, how many of you, raise your hand, if you've seen at least one of these Despicable Me series? Okay, wow. You see, I'm, I was really left in the dust there, okay? I'm, I'm a newcomer to this. But, but so most of you know what, but for those four or five of you that didn't raise your hand, uh, let me just catch you a little, little bit about this. I, and actually, when I watched the Despicable Me 1 um, I was surprised how touching a movie it was. In fact, at the end of the movie, my wife caught me wiping a tear. I think it was dust that got in my eyes, okay? But needless to say, it, it was touching. And if you don't know the story, in the first movie, and this is spoiler alert for a seven-year-old movie, okay? But Gru is this villain who ends up adopting three girls from an orphanage. And as a result of the pure love and devotion that they show to him, he, in the process, is transformed into a new person. I couldn't help but think about the parallel with Gru's transformation, of the transformation that we can experience in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The last song we sang before the message, well, before the, before the preview of the message was a song entitled, Your Love Awakens Me. I love the words of that song. And in fact, the chorus that we sang uh, more than once, the words are, your love awakens me. Your love is great. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens me. This was true for our character, Gru. He was transformed in the first movie. And transformation, an even more powerful transformation, can be possible in our lives as we really lean in and learn about the love that Jesus Christ has for each of us. In each of these movies, we're going to be looking for some biblical texts that address some of the issues addressed. And, and there was just a number of these issues that came out in this movie. And, and so I, I searched and tried to find some scripture that would answer it. And I found a number of passages in one book of the Bible that really addressed a lot of the themes that are developed in this Despicable Me 3. And it's a little book in the, in the Bible called the book of Ephesians or the letter to the Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there or you can follow along in the message notes. A, a verse that didn't make the message notes, 
but I thought really it was important for us to read to get the, the sense of what's happening in this first verse we're going to read that's in your message notes. The first verse I want to share with you is Ephesians 4, 32. It's a powerful statement regarding Christ's love. It says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, the Bible writer goes on to say at the beginning of the fifth chapter, which really is just the next sentence in his letter, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Some translations read his beloved children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You see, pure, unconditional love, whether it's from a child in Gru's case or, more importantly, from the true source of love from God Almighty, it is powerful. It is life-changing. Some of us have experienced this firsthand. And this is especially powerful when an individual possibly grows up without receiving a steady diet of love. Then when they come into contact with the love of Christ, it truly is powerful. It truly is transformative. Possibly some of you grew up never quite feeling like you could measure up to an expectation or standard that was put before you possibly by your parent or, or, or some teacher or coach or, or an older sibling. You just never felt like you could quite measure up. We see that's the case in, in this, these Despicable Me movies. Gru's relationship with his mother is, is problematic. And yet when he comes face to face with the genuine unconditional love of these three girls he adopts, he tra- he's transformed. And the same, even more so, is true in our lives when we come face to face with this amazing sacrificial, unconditional love of Jesus Christ, a love that prompted him to leave heaven, to come to earth, to show us the Father's love, to invite us into a relationship with him. A couple weeks ago, well, actually it was about three weeks ago in June, I was watching the news, and, and, and it's tough sometimes watching the nightly news. I mean, there's a lot of bad news out there. But I always look forward to the very end of the, the national newscast because usually, you know, I think they know that we just can't handle any more bad news. They usually sprinkle in one good news item. And a few weeks ago, they, they shared a story of a, of a former special forces uh, individual who had retired from the military, but on his own uh, initiative and from I believe even his own expense, he had traveled to Iraq and and they actually had captured him crossing enemy lines, crossing into the gunfire from ISIS. And he goes in there and captures a, a little girl that's being held by ISIS and he runs back and brings her to safety. I, I was just moved by that kind of, that kind of love. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to go to Iraq. I don't want to go to Syria, some of these places we read about. And I'm so amazed and inspired by, by military individuals who are willing to do that and take that risk upon themselves to, to serve and to protect others. 
And yet to see this guy go beyond the call of duty and, and, and to go into to, to that area that's a cesspool and, 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 and under enemy fire so that he could rescue someone. And I thought, wow, that's what Jesus Christ did. I mean, I think about how I don't want to go to Iraq. I don't want to go to Syria. The, the, the stretch that Jesus made from heaven to earth was a greater, greater depth of love. And that's what Jesus did for us. Now, that, what makes God's love even more amazing, it's, it's sacrificial, it's, it's incredible to try to fathom, is that, that it's, it's totally undeserved. In my life, when I first was awakened by the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ as a 19-year-old college student, what made that love truly stronger and greater in my life is that I had to, to honestly recognize that throughout my teen years, for the most part, I had ignored God. You might say, oh, were you an atheist? Oh, had you never been to church? No. <laughs> the truth is, I grew up, my parents were very devoted Jesus followers, they were very committed to the local church, and they took me every week to church. But honestly, I would sit in church on Sunday, and I'd think about God as people were talking about, but pretty much Monday through Saturday, I lived my life and made decisions as if God didn't exist. And then when I came face to face with the incredible love of Jesus Christ and really understood for the first time, the depth of what Jesus did for me, it, it, it changed my life. That's why I'm so grateful here at Southwest for the junior high and high school students here at Southwest and even some of the, the upper elementary kids who are making decisions to follow Jesus and, and at such a younger point in their life than I did. And my hope is that they're going to be able to avoid some of the pain that I experienced and maybe some of the pain that you experienced and some of the pain that anyone experiences when they try to go through life without Christ and without hope. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. What is it like to go through life without Christ and without hope? I don't know if you've been watching the news this summer, but I've been really troubled by the fact that the Dayton area, our backyard, okay, Dayton, Ohio, is the nation's capital for drug overdoses. And, and you don't have to go far with neighbors or friends or family members to see how people's lives are being impacted by this tragic epidemic. And we continue to hear alarming suicide rates in Ohio and and even in this area, this week I had an opportunity to sit down with the superintendent of schools at Springboro along with a couple other pastors and he just kind of opened up his heart about a recent suicide and just how he feels the need and I'm grateful that he feels the need for local pastors to, to speak into that. I, I've been troubled by that and I think, man, there's just a lot of hopelessness out there. The people are turning to drugs and other addictions because they don't have the hope of Christ. They've not yet come into contact with the love of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful that our junior high and high school students at a young age are learning about how to respond to that love and what it means to follow Jesus and to be a lifelong disciple of his. We just had this week uh, 
Uh, we were going to have 10 junior high students go to camp, but one of them, which we ended up having nine, one of them, Aiden Gruss, uh, unfortunately came down with pneumonia right before, and, and pray for Aiden. I talked to his parents yesterday. He's, he's doing better, and I'm grateful for that. But uh, keep praying for him. But, but I have to share this because even in the midst of the pneumonia, this was, uh, I don't want to laugh at his expense, but it was funny, okay? He shared with his mom that, that, that when he was coming down with this, he had a high fever and he, and he was aching all over. And, and he told his mom, he says, my legs even feel weird. And so Crystal asked him, well, can you describe how your legs feel? And this is what Aiden said. I feel like Gru from Despicable Me, really big on top with really skinny legs, okay? So that's how Aiden described it. And, and maybe because their last name is Gruss and the first three letters are Gru, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why they're drawn to, to this super villain who becomes a superhero. Maybe if there was a one named Hen, I'd be drawn to him as well. But, but let's remember a little, let's look a little more closely at this guy named Gru. And let's, if you're taking notes, remember the old Gru. Now, in our opening preview, we saw a quick flashback into the old Gru when he body slammed another vehicle into a building. You see, when we're first introduced to him, he's not a good guy. In fact, when he first adopted the girls from the orphanage, it was really just part of a ploy to pull off a heist. Likewise, earlier in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, who was the writer of this book of the Bible, said that it's important for all of us to remember the old self, or as some of older translations even read, the old man. Just like there was an old group in each of our lives, there's an old self or an old man. Listen to these words as Paul describes that old man. In Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 4, he says, once you were dead, listen how strong that is, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But, and I love these buts in Scripture, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us, so much. From time to time, I'll talk with someone who tells me that they've loved God their whole life and that they've been a Christian their entire life. As I've shared early, I know that's not the case for me in my life. Although I grew up in a Christian home and I was exposed to, to many good teachings about Jesus and, and Scripture, I wasn't an individual. That's why I'm so impressed with young people when they make decisions. I'm so impressed with Andrew and so impressed with Eric, these two guys on our ministry staff that at a young age knew they wanted to go into ministry. Well, that wasn't the case for me. In fact, when I left home to go to college, I was really left with the intentions I was going to get away from the church. This was my opportunity to, to get away, to run from God. But in spite of me not seeking God, 
And at that point in my life, being controlled, as this passage says, by my own passionate desires and the inclinations of my sinful nature, the amazing thing that just struck me, and I could talk for hours about this, that God continued to seek me, even though I wasn't seeking him. As we honestly unpack Ephesians 2 and verse 3, it says, in fact, we see this absolute statement by Paul when he says, all of us, you might want to underline that in your Bible, all of us used to live that way. Now, I, I researched that word all. I even looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? Everyone, okay? So everyone used to live that way. You see, I think there's some individuals, if they were really honest with themselves, I wouldn't put myself in this camp, but I think there's some individuals that probably think to themselves, I wasn't really that bad in the past. I mean, I'm not sure if Jesus really needed to be crucified for me. Possibly he would need to do some jail time or maybe pay a stiff fine, but but this passage says that, that Jesus died for all of us. For us to really appreciate the love of Christ, we have to wrestle with this word all. As the text later says in verse 3, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. You see, we all have to wrestle with this old self. We have to wrestle with it in each of our lives and in each of our past and possibly for some of us even in the present. You see, we all have this despicable me within us. Isn't that what Ephesians 2, 1 through 4 is saying? Now, I'm a positive guy, and, and I try to be positive, and, and my heart's desire is to inspire and encourage, and yet, possibly, possibly in the past, I've not let people struggle enough with recognizing the despicable me in each and every one of us. I looked up the word despicable, you know? I don't use that word a lot. So I looked up synonyms. When I'm stuck on a word, I, I start, you know, I use my word processor and I'll, I'll look up synonyms. Here's some of the synonyms I found for despicable, appalling, dreadful, contemptible, wicked, shameful, disgraceful, vile. Those are strong words. Now here's the truth. I can use each of these words to accurately describe myself prior to learning of Jesus' love. You see, here's the truth. And, and you see, this passage and others like it say that, that we weren't in a spiritual coma before coming to know Christ. We weren't kind of spiritually sick. It says that we were spiritually dead. And yet in spite of all that, Christ was willing to die to make us alive in Christ. As we keep reading in Ephesians 2, this, there, there's this radical transformation that we're taught to experience. And, and we're taught to put on the new self, or in Gru's case, to put on the new Gru. Let's keep reading later in Ephesians as it's described in this way, in Ephesians 4, verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ 
and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You see, we can be deceived sometimes about that old self starting to emerge again. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. One of the things I appreciate about the the movies in the Despicable Me series is it shows that real struggle that Gru has in, in putting off the old Gru and putting on the new Gru. Just like we have to honestly admit in our own lives that sometimes it's difficult to put to death that old self, to put off the old self and to put on the new self. I acknowledge it's difficult for me in my life. I have to pray every day that certain parts of my old self stay dead and don't re-emerge. And I, I recognize that. And from time to time, I... I share with you my own struggle and my own sinfulness. And I'm kind of I'm like that, that young preacher who was at a new church and after several weeks of, of trying to explain to his congregation the importance of grace and how that he was a sinner saved by grace. Following one of those worship gatherings, one older lady came up to him and said, Preacher, all my life I've heard Ministers stand up in front of people and saying that they're a sinner too. And I've never been really sure about that because I just always looked up to these preachers. But, but you know, with you, I believe it. I can kind of relate to that. In fact, I want to share with you another confession this week. I think I have a drinking problem. Okay, now I got your attention. Now, my drinking problem is not with alcohol. My drinking problem is is having a drink too close to my laptop. About three years ago, I was drinking some iced tea, working on some things, and I spilt the iced tea all over my laptop, and I lost it. Yesterday, I was working on the final manuscript of this message, and I had not iced tea this time. I've changed my drink, okay, but Diet Coke. And I reached for a piece of paper and boom, like that, just dumped all over the laptop. I picked it up. It's not a good thing when you pick your laptop up and the water comes out of it. Well, Diet Coke comes out of it. And I thought maybe I acted quick enough to save it. But you know what I found out is I lost my W, my E, my R, and my T. You know how hard it's to type when you've lost your W, E, R, and T. And in fact, I finished this manuscript cutting and pasting letters from other parts, okay? This was truly a labor of love, but I obviously have a drinking problem when it comes to working with my laptop. Pray for me, and Sam, you're going to get my business this week. Okay, but anyways, (laughs) as we keep reading in Ephesians 4, the writer gets very specific and very practical about some of the old self that needs to be put to death and how that we need to live a new life in Christ This is how it reads in verse 25. He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. 
Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do you see the continual emphasis? Replace the old, whether it be lying, rage, stealing, using foul or abusive language, and we could just keep on going. He says, replace those old things with honesty, swift reconciliation, hard work, generosity, and helpful, encouraging words. Now, there are two important observations that we need to make from this text in Ephesians 4. First of all, this transformation we're talking about today could not be possible by our own strength or our own willpower. And I know that personally because I tried for years to change things in my life and I couldn't by my own strength. You see, it's only by leaning in to God's strength. It only happens when we learn to lean into the creative power of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Then we can experience this miraculous transformation. Secondly, we're not seeking these changes to deserve God's love or grace. We've already talked about we don't deserve God's love and grace. We're seeking to make these changes out of a response to God's love. We're putting on the new self so that we can imitate the God that has rescued us from being spiritually dead. How are you doing with putting to death the old and putting on the new? I'm not asking you to put on a good face on Sunday morning. I'm saying, what about Monday through Saturday? Is the old grew, the old self, too prevalent in your life? Or through God's spirit and God's power, are you living the new life? Are you being that new creation in Christ that scripture talks about? There's one more aspect as we close out of Despicable Me that we want to touch on before we wrap up our time together and have a time of communion together. And that's if you're taking notes that that as we watch this movie and the other movies that we're going to be looking at, we have to recognize that, that the cultural trends that some of these movies expose. Now, I don't want to give away too much from this recent movie, and yet I will say this, spoiler alert, there is a new character in this film. It's Gru's long-lost twin named Drew. And although Drew is always dressed in white, well, let, let me just put it this way, he's not always a positive influence in Gru's life. You see, sometimes we can be deceived and be led down the wrong path by those who at first we think are going to be a good influence in our lives. The movie deals a lot with the reality of peer pressure. And I'm glad that Andrew and Eric are talking to our students today about this. In Ephesians 5, verses 6 through 9, this is how 
Paul deals with it in this letter to the Ephesians. He says, don't be fooled by those who are trying to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Let's make sure that the influencers, influencers excuse me, in our life are influencing us for good. You see, there's always the danger of being influenced by people around us to do that which isn't what God calls us to be. And sometimes those influences come from some surprising sources. You see, whether we're 15, 35, or 55, there's... There's those people in our lives who will whisper into our ears, and maybe it's just temptation from the evil one, where we hear words like, no one will know if you do this. Everyone else does this. There's really no harm in participating in this. Scripture reminds us, don't be fooled, even if the source is dressed in white. Now, for those of us who are parents, one of the biggest responsibilities I'm convinced that we have is to make sure our children are choosing their friends closely. We can't help the fact that they're going to be influenced by the people they spend time with, people they spend company with. But we can try to influence who they spend time with. Scripture says bad company corrupts good character. Let's make sure that we are surrounding ourselves with positive influence. And let's really try to impress upon our children and our teens the importance of them choosing those peers and those influencers in their life that will make a difference. A second cultural trend, and we're out of time, so we're not going to talk much about this, that the movie addressed, and I was actually surprised by this. You might just want to write it down, was the importance of marriage and the influence that Marriage makes in our lives, our family, and even more significantly than sometimes we acknowledge in our children's life. Throughout the movie, we see this influence of marriage and some of the problems that, that Gru's parents had in their marriage and their parenting. It ends up having an impact in his life and his twin brother's life. In fact, by the way, when this movie ends, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a Despicable Me 4, Okay. I'm pretty convinced of that. But that's why it's so important that if we want to truly impact the next generation, that we have to continually emphasize the importance of us having strong marriages in our family because it's so fundamental for us to be a model and pass on to our children. The last point that we want to look at is that the, the villain of this movie was Balthazar Bratt. I have to think the movie's making a statement about some of the bratty behavior that sometimes we see in our culture and children, okay? And so some of those brat tendencies. And so scripture talks about in Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. You see, as parents, we need to impress that upon our children to teach them to honor their father and their mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you keep reading, it says that we as parents have a responsibility there not to provoke them to anger, 
but to teach them the instruction of the Lord. One line, by the way, I'm sitting in this movie. I'm sure people sitting next to me thought I was rude texting other people. I was taking notes. I had my notepad out. I was taking notes because I knew I was going to forget some of these lines, but there's one line in the movie that it was said to either Gru or Lucy, advice on them being new parents. He said, it's okay to say no to your kids. It's okay to be tough. I think sometimes why we have those brat tendencies in our culture is people my age, maybe a little younger, have thought we were loving our kids when we always gave them what they asked for. You see, sometimes it's okay to say no. Sometimes it's okay to be tough. That's that tough love. You see, we need to lean in and learn from our Heavenly Father how we can be parents to our children. And in fact, let's do full cycles. We close out as we prepare for communion. Let's go back to those verses we read at the very beginning of the message. Because maybe part of your old self is is holding grudges and holding resentments. Listen to what these words say in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And then he goes on to say, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You know, as a church, we talk a lot about loving God and loving people, and that's important. That's that's vital of who we are as a church. And we're going to continue to emphasize that. But sometimes I think we don't spend enough time to talk about for us to live a life of love, it begins by us first receiving love. Some of us struggle with loving others because we've not really become convinced yet that God loves us. That was what made the difference in Gru's life when he started feeling loved. What will make a difference in our lives when we become convinced of the love of God and the love of his son, Jesus Christ. I think that's part of the wisdom of Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. Because you see, when we take the bread and when we take the cup, we come face to face the fact that Jesus went to incredible lengths to rescue us from our spiritual dead condition. We don't deserve that. He crossed enemy lines so that we could be rescued. As we take communion, let's just spend some time just soaking up the love of God. Let's receive Jesus' love during this time of communion so that we can be transformed and so that we can in turn love our spouses, our kids, our neighbors, others in the church, people at work, people that are tough to love. Let's soak up God's love during this time. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for how powerful your word is and how it speaks to our lives. And thank you, Father, for your love and how it breaks through into our life and makes all the difference. Father, some of us are so busy being doers. We don't sit 
and think and ponder and meditate enough on just being, being loved by you. Help us during this time of communion, just just celebrate and just really soak up that we are dearly loved. And Jesus proved it when he died for us. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings, Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m.